Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with spring break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players, start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code RTFP to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to DraftKings Network. You're tuned in to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Guiding your gridiron journey, none other than your host, former NFL lineman, Ross Tucker. Oh, yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a Teaching Tutorial Thursday, presented, of course, as always, by DraftKings. That means our guy, the NFL Films living legend. I coined the term the civilian goat, greatest of all time, that never played for an NFL team or coached for an NFL team. I'm telling you right now, he knows more than some people that have. That is for sure. The great Greg Cosell will join me momentarily. What a way to finish up the week, right? That's how we do it. We have the College Draft Podcast on Monday, which, by the way, Emery and I are going to start to dive into the quarterbacks on Monday. Make sure you're watching either youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL or listening to the College Draft Podcast. Emery is fantastic. His opinions are not the same as everybody else's. And basically for all of you, I don't care who you're a fan of, it's time to shift in the NFL draft mode. Emery will be fantastic on that. I'm going to talk with Greg Cosell about draft stuff starting a week from now as well. Today, though, I'm going to just break down some of the trends and things that Greg saw schematically in the NFL this year. Really looking forward to picking his brain and kind of recapping some of the things and directions the NFL is going from a schematic standpoint with the civilian goat. Get to Greg momentarily. You guys know the deal. We also have the Even Money podcast on Tuesday, Fantasy Feast on Wednesday, all just awesome different ways to talk about the sport we love. So if you're missing me not being on five days a week, please just pick up the slack by listening to one of those other shows or watch it, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Speaking of that, Travis is the YouTube shout-out winner this week. Travis said on YouTube a couple weeks ago, he replied to a video, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL, and said, I'm just here for the shout-out. Well, Travis, that's all you needed to do. That's all I asked for. Just be here for the shout-out. So now you got to email me, ross at rosstucker.com, and let me know exactly who you'd like the shout-out for, and I'll record that video on my phone and email it to you. 
Also, we've got other winners this week. How about Larry Hopkins? He went and got Emery's draft guide, footballgameplan.com slash 2024 draft guide, and Jan Bond for that, for that matter. Both Jan and Larry Hopkins, both winners, because they got Emery's fantastic draft guide, footballgameplan.com slash 2024 draft guide. Email me, fellas, Ross at RossTucker.com. Let me know which one of these awesome signed press passes you would like. As a reminder, you automatically get a signed press pass any time you go ahead and get somebody the greatest gift ever from MyFrontPageStory.com. Patron of the day is Andrew Grunebaum. Shout out to Andrew. Patreon.com slash RT Media. It's Big Show time. The Big Show. You know him, you love him, you follow him on social media, at Greg Cosell. You live for our weekly conversations. I love Joel Swisher always saying on YouTube, class is in session with Greg Cosell. Greg, I'm already looking forward to the next few weeks, by the way. Next week, we'll talk about your top quarterbacks for the draft. The week after that, sort of the next group of guys at quarterback. Then we'll get into the wide receivers, so... I mean, the draft will be here in two months, so I'm really, really looking forward to that. I know you put a lot of time in to watch these prospects, so it uh, should be fantastic. Today, though, you know, last week we were still breaking down the Super Bowl. Right. Today, I want your thoughts just on kind of what you so, saw. I mean, you watch so much tape, Greg. You, you, you watch so much film. I guess I want to feel like we're utilizing that. And I want to know what maybe we don't talk about enough during the season, what trends, because as you know, Greg, that things don't stay the same in the NFL. No. You know, there's the offense does this, the defense counters with this, the defense does this, the offense counters with that. So um, I've got some specific questions, but I'd rather start with just any schematic. Like when, when you look back on 2023 or you look at your notes, what will you remember in terms of the schematic cat and mouse back and forth between offenses and defenses this year. All right, well, let's let's break this down, I think, Ross, into offense and defense so we're not all over the place. Um, let's start with offense. I think the things that really stood out to me this year as I think back was more and more teams are using motion. That's becoming a really significant part of offenses in the NFL. Um, I think you're starting to see and this relates to the defense we'll get to, but you're also starting to see what do we call four strong, because four strong meaning four receivers working to one side of the field, particularly against zone coverage, because in zone coverage you don't have enough bodies to play versus four receivers to one side of the field. Um, I think you're seeing almost a return to multiple tight end personnel. A lot of offenses now line up with two and three tight ends, including the Chiefs. The Chiefs were one of the highest percentage teams in the NFL this season, even last season in 2022, in using multiple tight end personnel. I think that's something you're seeing more of. Um, Along those same lines, I just think you're seeing an increase in base personnel. Um, A lot of teams line up with a fullback. A lot of teams play with what we call 21 personnel. Um, So as you said, a lot of these things are cyclical. For years and years, we just talked about the league being an 11 personnel league with three wide receivers. And now teams are playing at a base personnel uh, more so. And there's multiple reasons for that. But um, I think you're seeing more and more of that. 
Yeah, this is the problem with you, Greg. You talk, and I have more questions now. Like, I'm just like, my brain is going crazy <laughs> with all these questions I have. So let's start with, you said, in terms of the base personnel and the multiple tight ends, you said multiple reasons for that. Explain. Well, the, number one, and you know this, what defensive coordinators do is the first thing they react to when they see what personnel, and even in their game planning, obviously, throughout the week, but then when they're on game day and they see what's happening on the field, the first thing they react to is the offensive personnel. They have decided based on their game plan throughout the week, hey, when the opponent, based on down and distance and offensive personnel, how we're going to react. So let's say it's first and 10, and the offense lines up with two tight ends or three tight ends. 99% of the time, the defense will play with base personnel. You know, that's the way it works. You're reacting to personnel first and foremost. So when offenses line up in two and three tight ends, and particularly in this era where tight ends are better athletes than they've ever been and can detach from the formation, offenses often feel like they have an advantage now from a formation standpoint based on their use of personnel versus defenses that stay with their base defense, meaning four defensive backs. Got it. Because uh, one of the things that I feel like has happened, and maybe, maybe you agree, maybe you disagree, is teams have become so pass conscious, pass defense conscious, yes that we've seen more and more DBs out there, more and more lighter linebackers that yes. can run and are known for coverage as opposed to really being downhill thumpers. And also, there's a bunch of teams that don't prioritize linebackers and safeties that much. So it's almost like the more tight ends and fullbacks you put out there, you're, you're putting – Guys out there, you know, these teams might not have great depth at linebacker to have three out there. They might not love their second or third linebacker. You're putting them in these situations. And it's kind of like, hey, if you're going to go light, we'll go heavy. You know, you make a great point, Ross, and that's why it's so cyclical, uh, as you mentioned right when we started. Um, because now what happens is you get these lighter linebackers who are more run-and-chase players as opposed to physical players in the box, and then offenses now run the ball because those linebackers now have to have the ability, which they don't very much, and they certainly don't coming from college, they now have to have the ability to, as we say, stack and shed. You know, that's why someone like Jack Campbell with the Lions, when he was the 17th pick in the first round, a lot of people said, oh, that was a reach. I did not view that as a reach at all because I loved his tape at Iowa. But players like that are normally not the kinds of linebackers that teams go after. But it might change because if teams, you know, play with, with heavier offensive personnel, two tight ends, three tight ends, and they run the ball out of that, in addition to the fact that they can spread the formation out of that, you might see linebackers become a bigger factor. I mean, just look at some of the teams that were, you know, in, in the finals, so to speak. I mean, look at what the Ravens had with Queen and Smith. Look at what the Chiefs had with Bolton. Tranquil's a good player. Gay's a good player. Um, look at the 49ers with um, uh, Warner and Greenlaw, unfortunately getting hurt. But I mean, you know, linebackers do matter in this league. Even the Lions, you mentioned Campbell, Anzalone, like yep. they've got pretty good linebackers. And they're big. See, that's the other thing. Campbell's 250. You know Anzalone personally. He's in the 240, 245 range, close to 6'3". I mean, you know, 
these are big players that have a physical nature to their game. So, you know, you said earlier, more and more teams are using motion. Let's flesh that out a little bit, Greg, because I picture a bunch of our listeners or people that watch us, youtube.com slash NFL, and heck, we even have the show live now on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook for people to check out. I think a lot of people hear you talk about motion and the immediate reaction is, okay, so then why doesn't every team do this? And why don't they do it more often if it's, you know, such an advantage? So I wanted to talk to you about that because the one thing that's hard to do if you're doing motion is to run up tempo, is to be fast. You, you can't really do both. You can't really have motion also be running like a no huddle or hurry up offense because when you're doing no huddle, hurry up, you want to get lined up and you want to snap the ball and, and, and go. Wow. And interestingly, both of which are designed to kind of um, put the defense on the defensive, right? Like if you're doing hurry up, they don't have a time to really do a lot of exotic stuff defensively. They're just trying to get lined up and make sure that they got everybody covered. Same thing if you're doing motion, it makes it harder to be exotic on defense because, you know, with the mo- they might drop a guy. Like they might, they might mess up with everything changing with the motion. Well, you hit on two things. I mean, uh, but – by the way, you can still do motion with no huddle because no huddle doesn't mean you have to snap the ball quickly. You Correct. Can go yeah. no huddle. Up-tempo, I meant. Yeah. Right, up-tempo, right. But both of those things, motion and the up-tempo, what are they designed to do when you really think about it? Shrink the defensive menu. Make it such that the quarterback can understand and decipher the defense before the snap of the ball. That's what every team is trying to do. They're trying to make it such that their quarterback knows what he's looking at before the snap. Um, So motion absolutely shrinks your defensive menu. And so when you study a team, you know that if you use a lot of motion, you know what their default defense is going to be. You know what they're going to get into based on your study of them throughout the week, throughout an off season, you know, this is what teams do in the off season. So it, it, it just shrinks the defensive menu and makes them theoretically more predictable and therefore better for you as an offense to attack them. That's what you're trying to do. Now that gets into another point as, as if I, if I could sort of segue a little, that gets into a defensive thing that we've seen, a defensive tactic that we've seen a ton of this year. That is clearly a trend and that's late coverage rotation. We're seeing more and more of that in the NFL because what defenses are trying to do is they're trying to slow down the decision-making process for the quarterback. They're trying to make it such that the quarterback doesn't get a, a defined read of what the defense is doing before the snap of the ball. They want the quarterback to have to drop back and on his drop try to figure out what the defense is doing. So if the defense shows something pre-snap and then changes the picture post-snap, that changes everything for the quarterback, and some quarterbacks can do that really well. For instance, that's one thing Brock Purdy has shown to do exceptionally well, which you didn't really get to see in college because the the Big 12 is not like that. So, so uh, you know, that's what defenses are doing now in response. So that's one, Greg, where I sit here and I always think, why haven't they been doing that the whole time? I, I mean... But you, you know can say I mean? that about like, a lot of like, things. You know, like late, you know. late coverage rotation, no duh. Like that's what they should have been doing. And, and I will say this. They did that 
when I was playing, Greg, maybe just not as much. They, they certainly try to disguise the coverage sure. as much as they could. Well, I'll say this, Ross. Keep one thing in mind is when you do that and you move a number of different people just as the ball is snapped, don't forget that everybody has to then do exactly the right thing. They have to play with such tremendous assignment discipline. I'm talking on the defensive side of the ball now. If one guy makes a mistake, okay, or if he's late to get to where he's going and it's a pass play, you can give up a 60-yard touchdown. And, and you know how defensive coordinators feel about explosive plays. So, you know, not everybody is willing. It depends on your personnel, depends on uh, your sense of how intuitive uh, and how instinctive they are as players and how they react to things on the move. You know, so it's easy to say as an abstraction, why isn't everybody doing that? But, you know, it's the same reason with a quarterback that, hey, some quarterbacks you can have a really expansive passing game and other quarterbacks you can't. You know, it's just what players can handle at game speed. Most everybody can handle it, you know, looking at the iPad in the meeting room. But at game speed, it's different. You know, Greg, I don't know how to necessarily put my finger on it, but I'm thinking of like the best schemes in the NFL this year and some of the best coaches. And I guess the best way I would describe it, and, and tell me if you can put it into better words, it feels it felt like when I watched the Ravens this year on defense, Mike McDonald was the aggressor and Mike McDonald was dictating the terms to the offense and the offense was kind of reacting to what Mike McDonald was doing at times. And I feel that way sometimes when I watch like Spags, like it feels like Spags is the aggressor and the offense is trying to figure out sometimes, well, how, how to counteract what Spags is doing or the blitz that he's bringing or whatever and I feel that way sometimes when I see like McVay on offense or Kyle Shanahan on offense. It feels like the better team, and maybe it's just the better teams, but the better guys schematically, they're the ones like dictating the terms of the schematic matchup to the other. And the other, the other side of the ball is sort of reacting to what they're doing as opposed to the opposite. Does that make any sense? Sure, it does. And again, it's easy to say, why doesn't everybody do the same thing? But then it comes down to what your players are capable of handling and what, what they can do. So, you know, look, you mentioned, for instance, now let's stay on the offensive side since that's what we've been discussing. You know, another thing we've seen a lot of, and I'm glad you mentioned McVeigh, and this was on, you know, just my, my sense of, of what to talk about as well, is what we call reduced or cut splits, where the receivers, the wide receivers, are tighter to the formation because that makes it more difficult for the defense if you want to press, if you want to limit um, what they can do uh, from route concepts. It's, it's, it's harder to do. So, you know, that's something else you're seeing a lot of, and McVay is a master at that. Even the 49ers did a lot of that, where they had reduced and cut splits with their wide receivers. So, you know, there's a lot of factors here, and that plays into how defenses respond and some defenses respond differently and better than others. And again, it, then it comes down to your personnel and what they can handle. You know, you mentioned McVeigh. I thought it was interesting what Dennis Allen said this week about hiring Clint Kubiak to be his offensive coordinator in New Orleans yeah. uh, coming from San Francisco. He said that's the best scheme going in the NFL right now. It's the scheme that's having the most success. And 
Uh, and obviously that seems to be the case when you look at, you know, Mike McDaniel and Shanahan and McVay and Kevin O'Connell and all those guys. I thought that was interesting, though, that he verbalized that, you know, as well, a defensive-minded guy, that he verbalized that about Kubiak, that, hey, like, and I'm not, this is not a knock on Kubiak, but basically, like, I want that system. That That's the most successful system in the NFL right now. That's what I want to run. And don't forget, that's what the Texans ran with Bobby Slowick, who came from the Niners. So, you know, I think there's a belief, and by the way, they played with a fullback, too. So, you know, I think... That's what's so interesting is, you know, in, in an era where everybody has talked about 11 personnel, as I mentioned earlier, everybody focuses on the Shanahan scheme and the offshoots of it. And almost all of those offshoots line up in 12 personnel, 35, 40, 40, excuse me, 21 personnel with a fullback, um, 35, 40, 45% of the time. So, you know, this is not just, oh, let's spread the field with three wide receivers. Now, they can spread the field. And, and you know, you look at the Saints, and you look at an Alvin Kamara, and again, he's not quite at the level of, of McCaffrey, but theoretically, he can do the same things. You can split him out. You can put him in motion. He's that kind of player. I got a couple more for you. Greg, but anything else that you had written well, down? I don't want to miss some of the stuff that you no, had. No, I mean, I think you're seeing – let's just quickly run through some defensive things. I think you're seeing more quarter shell. I think you're seeing what we call more loaded fronts, where there's particularly on third down, where there's three defensive linemen to one side of the offensive center. Teams have multiple stunt concepts from that look. I think you're seeing a lot more big nickel in the league, which may be a reaction to more base personnel. And by big nickel, I mean – you're playing with three safeties as opposed to three linebackers. So you still have two corners, but you're playing with three safeties and two linebackers instead of playing with three linebackers um, or four linebackers if you're dealing with a 5-2 or 3-4 front. So, you know, these are things that have really shown up a lot this season. So that's interesting that you what you said about the quarters coverage because when you think about quarters coverage, I think most people think of Vic Fangio – and there's been a proliferation of quarters around the league and Fangio. But also, maybe it feels like that scheme's not having as much success. Like maybe the Shanahan-McVay scheme has done a better job of figuring out how to attack the Fangio scheme, Greg? Well, let's put it this way. I don't think there's one thing about the Fangio scheme, if people want to say that it's the Fangio scheme. Because from quarters coverage with four across, you can go to anything. So that plays into the disguise and late coverage rotation that we spoke about earlier. Because from quarters, you can then move your safeties. You can move right at the snap into any coverage that you choose. You're not limited. So that's one reason why you're seeing more and more of it. Plus, in quarters coverage, your safeties can be run support players. That's different. They're closer to the line of scrimmage than, let's say, in cover two, where they're clearly deep half players. That's not quite the case in quarters coverage. And quarters, in many respects, it's a zone-based concept, but some would argue it's just man with rules. So it has a zone base to it and a man base to it. So it gives you a ton of flexibility. So I don't want to sit here and say, oh, you know, it just does one thing and teams have figured it out. That would be far too simplistic. Any guesses or thoughts or ideas as to what some of the reactions to the reactions will be or what, ah. what, we'll, see, uh, what we'll see more of like next that. year? Because I, I do think... You know, it's funny, there will be teams that will 
have more 12 and 13 personnel next year, but there will also be defenses that have more safety that they feel they can handle both. Well, then, you know, then I think it gets down to your personnel and maybe what you're going to look for to play against teams that if they play more base and you don't want to get caught necessarily with your just four defensive backs, you know, I think it will come down to that. Because as we said, a lot of these tight ends now, they're not just, you know, attached tight ends. I mean, think back. I'm going back a long time, probably 30 years, but you'll remember this. Think back to someone like Kyle Brady coming out of Penn State, being a top 10 or top 12 pick, and he basically was a glorified offensive tackle. A player like that would you know, probably be a sixth round pick in today's world. You know, those kinds of tight ends really, you know, that might be the third tight end on your team, but that's never going to be a tight end. You're going to play a lot. No, it's a terrific point, Greg. Really enjoyed the conversation. I always do. This is exactly what I was looking for. Thank you so much for coming on the show as always. Thanks, Ross. Appreciate it. Love me some Greg Cosell. Love me some game night, movie night. But you know it's not easy. DiGiorno makes it easy. You get the perfect setting, the perfect squad. Now you need the perfect eats. Luckily, you're a game time mastermind. And you know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, other toppings. Comes at an incredible price. Make the game-winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery. It's DiGiorno Wash it down with some of my delicious Labatt Blue Lights. They're not mine, but I treat them like my children. With your friends, live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly beer. Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Tux Takes. All right, Ross. The Rams release center, Brian Allen. Yeah, not a lot of news today, huh, Jack? Um, Very little. I think there will be more over the weekend, and we'll address it on Monday. And more cap casualties. A lot of times it happens before teams actually head over to the combine. Combine starts late next week. That's when a lot of negotiations take place. So hopefully they'll release some of these guys as cap casualties before then. Other than that, I think we're done here. Thanks for tuning in to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also check out Even Money, Fantasy Feast, and College Draft, all on the DraftKings Network on Samsung TV+, YouTube, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. Shout out MyFrontPageStory.com. Told you earlier in the show, it's an automatic signed press pass from your boy. That's me. If you get this story, I highly recommend it for parents and grandparents especially to make sure you let them know just how special they are and their life's been before it's too late. MyFrontPageStory.com, BackOfficeSchedule.com, SteakhouseSports.com, HumanHeadNYC.com, Sportaculture, Pizza Boy Brewing.